right. So this is the Delos Ventu. There we go. Poppin' Bottles Winecast has officially started. Delos Ventu. I'm here with my boy on Instagram at I am James R. Smith with Chateau White. Right. Right. W R I G H T. I know. I, I can never You're pronounce good. anything. I, bar- I, sp- I can barely speak regular English. Uh, besides the Queen's English, that's far from me. <laughs> so, um, we've done a couple of these now, and they've become a lot of the listeners' favorites. Where we dive into wine, and we really answer sometimes hard questions, simple questions. But when it comes to the world of wine, it's just so vast. It's yeah, like we're we're experience to everyone here not everyone most here most people yes but like we both know people that we we feel like we know nothing yes if you combine our experience together we still probably know about one percent all there is to know about wine and that's us dedicating a lot of time in of our life into studying wine drinking wine and not only does james he's part of the sales part of the wine he is an actual wine maker so he's in there crushing the grapes, working with the different um, additives, the finishing products, woods, everything. Yeah, I would I would consider myself like an assistant to the assistant regional winemaker. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Ad- Adam Adam White and Jack Wright are the probably the two in charge. Uh, they're the main. But basically, I just bounce ideas off of them, and we go from there. There you go. It's awesome. And now we actually met each other through the gram, talking about wine. Uh, slid into those DMs. We slid in those DMs. We became friends. He came over for uh, – t- I, I tried out – this was, fuck, over a year ago. One of the, some of the, the Griffin uh, – some of the original Chateau Wright yeah. bottles. Like six months ago. I don't even remember. It had to be close to over a year ago, I think, man, because I have one of the original bottles over here. Um, it's empty, but I have it on the shelf. And so we started talking about wine. He said, you know what? This is a subject that a lot of people think are like pretentious. That looks beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so we're pouring a new wine right now. We have three <laughs> bottles on the table, which we'll get into. But Yeah, so the one we're doing right like- now is the Delos Ventu. It's from the Ventu region. It's a 2017, 14%. It is a red blend. It is. And it, and is, it does not say what it is. It smells very bright cherry. Almost, It doesn't look like it, but it smells like a Chianti. But yeah, the color, the color on it so. is super dark. Deep, super deep, really beautiful color. Yeah, you can't, can't see anything through so it. So on today's wine cast, besides answering some questions for y'all, what we're going to be tasting... Are wines from the from the Rhone Valley in France, which is going to be about southwest France. It's a small little valley where the north and the south there's about a thirty mile difference. There's about a thirty mile difference in between, but the winemaking there's certain grapes that are only grown in these locations. The north and the south do have different soil types, and if we've talked before in other wine casts that the soil has a lot to do with it. So northern Rhone is a lot of, uh, I believe, granite on stone, and that's northern Rhone. Southern Rhone is very much clay, which makes softer wines. But some of the most iconic wines in the world come from this region of France, and you're you're like you're right down there. Uh, some of, quite arguably, 
when I say iconic, I mean we have a Chateauneuf de Pop on the table, and that literally translates in France to the House of the Pope. These wines go back hundreds of years. Now, what was your uh, feelings today bringing Rhone wines? Which, I mean, they're favorites of mine, but... I... So, I mean, our our, our grape... Our, our, our rootstock came from Rhone, specifically Chateau uh, du Beaucastel. So, since then, I've just... just trying to get a feel on what the be-all, end-all Rhone wines should taste like and see what ours should taste more like. And so now a lot of people, they don't know what the term rootstock. So rootstock is you're getting basically the vine, the root of the vine from France. Right. You're growing it in Texas. Correct. And so so like a a transplant almost. Transplant. But not. Exactly. uh, You cut, or you could. Yeah, no, it's actually a transplant. So they they had about two years of growth before we planted them in 2012. Okay. Um, The other way you could do it is by grafting. Which is very popular. Yeah, basically you take Texas rootstock, which is really resistant against damage, phylloxera, uh, any, like basically Texas diseases or diseases like that affect. Yes. So most, most, actually most... um, most all wines in America and France, and France are on Texas rootstock. So what happened was they back in the day, wine almost got erased from the history books in France, most of the world, because there was a mite, I guess you would say, or mm-hmm. a, it's a pesticide or a pest that would eat the rootstocks. Yep. And this came from America and it spread like wildfire. Uh, I don't know. Everyone's pronounces it different. Phylloxera. Phylloxera. It's just a little bug. And it was destroying these iconic 1855 first growths. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only a certain places in the world where it never went. Australia being one. So it's, it doesn't do Argentina well in sandy one. soils. So sandy yeah. soils are basically like if you have a heavy amount of sand in your soil, you're basically safe. Mm-hmm. Or if you're far enough away, like we're we're in like the middle of nowhere, Texas, we're basically safe for now. Unless yeah. someone introduces that into our region and it takes off, then yes, fuck those people. And the piece, places like Argentina, <laughs> where the mountains they couldn't get yeah, over the too, mountains. It's too cold. It's too cold. And so he he got rootstock for Chateau Wright Vineyards. Um, they focus a lot on. Roan varietals and what you can do with them. And a lot of Roan is blending. They love to blend certain grapes, and they even blend red and white together. And now some of the grapes they blend, the one that sticks out to me more than anything is Syrah. Mm-hmm. Syrah is basically the daddy. That's we like would, northern Roan. We would love to have Syrah. Yeah, and now there's a reason why we can't grow Syrah in Texas. So I found it. It's actually called... Uh, Syrah decline syndrome. Syrah decline syndrome? Basically the same thing. It's just... It, yeah, it's basically... Oh, sorry. sorry, sorry. It's all right. Oh, We're good. just getting the mics. We're just getting the mics right there. Yeah, it's it's basically the same thing. It's just you can't grow Syrah because it'll die within four or five years. Like yeah, just, there's something about it, right? There's something about the climate. Yeah, so uh, there, there's there's like a couple... I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but some somewhere, some person or group or school university is working to 
rid that. Uh, I think they did it on a specific other Petitsara? No. Somewhere. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Zinfandel, maybe. Probably. Another big, thick skin grape. Mm -hmm. But yeah, basically they they got rid of it. So, let's start this thing off. Uh, Let's start off with some more basics. Because I feel like every time we do an episode, we cover a lot of basics. And then there's more people asking questions over the basics. And if we can sit here, we can talk about Gigandas and we can talk about Chavs Hermitage and we can talk about the whole background and the blends within, you know, Chateauneuf de Pops, where you got the Grenache, the Morved, the Syrah, the Vignet, the Marsan, the Roussan. Sounds pretentious. So <laughs> let's start off with some basics for y'all people, because a little bit of wine knowledge really goes a long way in life, whether you're in the wine industry or not. If you're going on a date, like you want to be able to know how to pick out a wine. Going to H-E-B. Going to H-E-B and you're tired of drinking beer. Maybe you want something different and you don't want to drink the hard liquor. Tired of know? the White Claws. Tired of the – you know, and I can still <laughs> never get tired of the White Claws. But my new diet, man, I got to tell you, I my body – as the listeners know from this, I'm you know, pre-diabetic now and I've had to basically change my entire diet. And I've lost a lot of weight and my body's just not reacting the same to alcohol in general. And so what my doctor told me, I could drink with dry red wines, um, light beer, and seltzers. And seltzers are actually made for diabetics that want to drink because it's like one or two carbs and zero sugar, yep. um, which is great. So shout out White Claw and shout out, you know, pre- Truly. Truly and Bon and Ive. Bone and Ive, which was weird. They had like one good flavor. Sponsored by. Yeah. <laughs> well, today's episode is actually sponsored by Oxygen. <laughs> Thank you, Oxygen, again, for keeping us alive, uh, making our wine taste better. And hopefully we have enough of you after the rainforest um, all burned down. So, so we're going to start off with a couple of questions that we got on the Internet right now. Uh, one of them is, what is the proper pour? Um, and what they mean is how much should you pour? Now, in the restaurant industry, you, you so there's about 25 ounces in a bottle, 25 and some change. It just matters. Between 24 and 26 ounces in a bottle. And most restaurants do about six-ounce pours. It's becoming more trendy to make more profit to do five-ounce pours. Mm. For me, I don't know how it's for you. How many glasses do you get out of a bottle? Four, and then you get a a bonus pour. Yeah. At the end of the bottle. At the end of the bottle. Same. So when I get a bottle of wine, I'm thinking I'm getting four glasses out of this. Restaurants and stuff will stretch it to where you do five-ounce pours, and you know they're just stretching the bottle for profit reasons. Mm-hmm. But I think – but my experience and your experience, six ounces is six ounces is like the standard. I've seen them go as low as four. I don't agree with it, but I, I could see how that. you would stretch that bottle a little bit longer. But it's, I don't know. Stretching the bottle also doesn't benefit the wine drinker no. because now the bottle's sitting and it's oxidizing and it's not tasting the way it should. Right. And so that's, I, that's probably another question: is how long can you have a bottle open, or how should you store it? Very good. Yeah, very yeah. good question. Now, for me personally, if I open a bottle and I put the cork back on, I store it in the refrigerator mm-hmm. on its side. Cold. Cold. Yep. 
as cold as possible mm-hmm. without freezing it. And that slows down the oxidation process, which will, in the end, in the end, it'll turn it to vinegar. Delicious. Actually, you could still use it from then, just with cooking. Yeah, cooking. And actually, white wine is the best for cooking, Mm -hmm. which is interesting. So, like, like the 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 easiest way to use white wine is you deglaze a pan. So once you sear something in there you pour a little bit of white wine in there get all the flavor off the bottom and clear it so it doesn't scorch Mm -hmm. the pan and whatever wine you use cheap or not doesn't matter like you could use a four dollar chardonnay from like woodbridge uh cul-de-sac whatever you you use it in the food making process it's gonna make that bottle taste like a million dollars like the food is gonna pair perfectly with that wow. specific wine. I did not know that. Yeah. Like I use it for uh pastas. So actually uh so like a great way to like re reheat pasta is if you just pop it in the pan, heat it up a little bit and then deglaze it with like a cheap white wine or just whatever white wine you have. Um it softens the pasta, it heats it up a little bit better and then that pasta is going to go badass with whatever whatever, whatever wine you, you used. deglazed it with. Yep. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. No, yeah. I just learned something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. And for me, uh, when it comes to certain wines, when it talks about aging, some wines are meant to be drunk young. Some wines are meant to be drunk older. Bo- Beaujolais. Beaujolais is something. Okay, so now Beaujolais is the Gamay grape, and that's South Burgundy in France. Now they call it the poor man's Pinot Noir. People that live in Burgundy, which would be the north side of town do not like the people from Beaujolais, uh, that whole area. Hmm. Now, they call it the poor man's Pinot. They don't like to be associated with those people. But there's a tradition every year, and I believe it's in they, – they do an early harvest. Um, is it – They like to drink those young. September, October is when they pull it. It's mm. almost like your Oktoberfest. Whenever you see Oktoberfest beer, you get Beaujolais uh, – Nouveau or Nuevo or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. But basically, it's super young and it tastes like strawberries. It's super delicious, but it's meant to be drunk then, there, and now. You don't age it. Mm-mm. Now, usually the bigger in flavor profile the wine is, you want to age because it, it settles the wine down. Right now, we have a Chateauneuf on the table, which is nine years old right now. Yep. We're drinking. Now, if we drank this in 2010 or 2011 yeah 2011 this thing would have probably been so big you would butt your head off oh tastes like shit it would it would have (laughs) tasted like leather it would taste like you licked like a bark off a tree it would be so dry so what happens is over time the tannin structure and tannin is basically the dryness when people talk about mouthfeel right around the mouth yeah. And that can come from many things. Usually the skin of the grape or the barrel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, whatever wood you use in it, whether it be barrels, chips, staves, dust, shavings. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff that they use. But So if people like big, dry uh, wines, you always want to look for a wine varietal that is thicker in skin. Cabernet would be like your starting off point. And then I would say you would move on to maybe a Syrah 
a petite Syrah, a Tanat, a Tariga, things like that. Now, if you're getting into wine and you don't like something so big and dry, a lot of people tend to go for Pinot Noir. Now, yeah. Pinot Noir is just Pinot very Noir. thin-skinned grape. Cinso is the Texas Pinot Noir. And I, I've actually seen it pop up. So the the, the owner of this, so we made the, the Cinso uh, 100%, and I've literally seen maybe like six or seven other Texas vineyards catch on and do the exact same You're thing. You're the first to do it, though. And, I've, and Cinso is a blending grape. Now, there's some grapes, like we're saying, that are so big, too, that you can only use certain percentages within the wine. Yeah. Uh, but they use it to balance it out. So let's say we're making a blend. It's like basically yeah. wine bitters. Yeah. It's like you put bitters in like a really boozy cocktail to like curve the edge, like dull the edge of the, the whiskey or mm-hmm. tequila or whatever you're using in there. It's the same way you'd use like a Tanat, a Cinso, uh, Petit Verdot. Yeah. Petit Verdot, too, is one that you should never drink 100%. I've had them. They're hard. They're really hard to drink. <laughs> That's why they only punt two percent in blends usually, and uh, but let's get back more to basis. I feel like we just yeah, lost yeah, yeah. him right now. Yeah, we just went down the wine rabbit hole. That the I mean, it's really easy hole. to go down. It like, is, yeah. especially when we have two people like us who can just talk about vino all day. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of so that's that 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 is I would say six ounce pour, a six yeah. ounce pour. If you're drinking wine, that should equal four drinks. Yep. Four standard beers. Bottle. Four shots of liquor, um, four... I think that's TABC's rule, too, is six yeah. ounces. Yeah. So I believe six so ounces... I, li- I like to go by TABC's rules. Yeah, and it's Texas's Shout rules. Shout out to TABC. Yes. Just take my money. Stop giving me more paperwork. <laughs> exactly. So the TABC's, uh, they, they control the alcohol and stuff in, uh, in Texas. And, yeah, so one glass of wine is equal to a 12-ounce beer... Or a one and a half ounce shot of hard liquor, and that's how I judge it. So I say you get a bottle of wine that should equal four drinks. Yep. Um, when people say, "Oh, I can't drink a whole bottle of wine by myself," that's pretty easy. Can actually. you drink four beers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty easy to drink a bottle of wine by yourself. Yep. You're just having to. You just don't like the wine. Exactly. I've drank two bottles of wine by myself. That was. I think we drank three or four bottles the last time we did this. I think so. Together? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't even know how many bottles. Was, I don't know a record of how many wines I've drank in one night. But sweet Jesus, when you have people over, like if we went to a restaurant right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're my date. Yep. Right? And we were talking about, off mic, we were talking about women, but the, the crazy hot scale, how crazy they can be. Yes. Um, if they're that hot. And it's always kind of like, it's almost like picking a wine. It's like, you know what, it's like, I always related to picking furniture. Like, you want something that's nice and comfortable, but not so nice and comfortable your neighbor's going to come by and steal it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So when I'm, when I'm looking, so let's say you and I are out on a date, right? Okay. And we've, <laughs> yeah, okay. And you and I, you know, we're here, we're queer, we're getting it, dude. It's all right. So we're going out on a date, and it'll be a bro date, and we want to buy a bottle of wine. That's essentially just two glasses each. Right. So two drinks. Just easy. One before dinner, one during dinner, like that. 
Mm-hmm. So that's, it, that's pretty light. So if you're, let's say, hosting a party or you invite someone over to Netflix and chill or and you buy one bottle of wine, just know you're only getting four drinks out of it. Yeah, that's if, just going to go real quick. Yeah, it's going to go quick. You're going to wish you had another bottle. Dude, I I met this dude. He was um, he's one of the wine guys for Specs. And I think he was at Babcock. Now he's at Days of Vala. His name is is Wine Bob. I've met Wine Bob. Yeah, Wine Bob. Yes, badass. He and Wine Bob go way back. Dope. So Wine Bob uh, has this. He's like a fucking Excel guru, and he basically wrote an algorithm in Excel. That's just like if you have X amount of people and they want to drink wine, beer, liquor, whatever, these are the percentages that usually happen. That and genius. he'll tell you exactly how many bottles you want. You need to buy of wine, See, liquor, and beer. People ask that for weddings and stuff. Oh, dude, this, guy, this guy's got a formula. He'll basically – these are how many guests you have. This is how many people drink wine that you think, beer, and then it'll estimate on that, mixers, the whole thing. Like that – I, I go to that dude for everything, and I mean he's he's got a couple. Like I, I he actually goes to some of the uh, every once in a while on a Wednesday he'll have like a wine class or something. I yeah. think the last one was Bubbles. It got canceled because it didn't have enough people. Mm, but sad, the, but yeah, I was like I was like fuck yeah Bubbles. But I mean it's like twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. You go out there. There's some like snacks. You drink some wine. You learn about it. You can ask him literally fucking anything you want to know. He knows so much. Him and Robert, dude, both of them, they're like, like those are those are the two people that I talk to about wine, and like I'm just like fuck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like there's that- a there's a whole other world that I'm not even aware of that these dudes are just like yeah I got this. Now that level. Basically comes down to like, what do you like to drink? What flavors do you like? It's really all all wine is white wine. All wine is white. The only thing that gives it color is skin contact. Grape skins. Yes. So all wine is white. People go, oh, I don't drink white wine. It's like, uh, yes, you do. Yeah. I only drink red wine. Well, it's actually white. It it's just uh, has a red skin. Yep. So that's another good fact right there. So, you know. As a wine drinker, you're starting off right with white wine or a light red. Now, you got to know, what what do you like flavor profile-wise when you're choosing bottles? Because someone sent in a question, what was it? It was, what's the proper way to pick out a bottle or how to know? I was your roommate. Oh, yeah. He uh, he was like, what's, an, what's the best way to pick out a good bottle of wine? And honestly, it's that's relative. It's like what what do you like? Exactly. So it's like what he what Dom likes, what I like, probably are similar. Yes, I can I can tell by the multiple episodes we've yeah. done together. We have um, very similar palettes. Very similar palettes. I know a lot of people that are like hardcore into wine. That they like like wine wine Bob for instance is hardcore into ports. I appreciate ports. It's not my go to. No, uh, it's a little sweet for me. He also likes a lot of cabs. He's a real hardcore Bordeaux guy. I'm not big into cabs I, I anymore. I, I got started get, with cabs. I but. can't get into Bordeaux that much because it's 
it's real fucking dry. Like if you want to, if you want to sit there and examine a wine for a couple hours, fucking go drink at old Bordeaux. Yeah. You'll be there for hours thinking about what, what it, I don't know. So, and, and people don't know Bordeaux. First off, it's a part of France. Now we're almost going opposite of where Rhone is. So Mm -hmm. if you look at the globe, Rhone is in the southwestern part of France, yeah. and Bordeaux is closer to the eastern, southeastern part. And it's divided by a river, and there's a left bank and a right bank. The left bank uh, has a lot of gravel, and they produce a lot of Cabernet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the right bank has a lot of clay, and it produces Merlot. Merlot. Yes, and, and certain grapes enjoy certain soil types more mm-hmm. or show best in certain soil types. Right. And you can use those soil types, but there are, there are main, we call them the noble grapes, the Bordeaux blend. So yeah. you would say Cab, Cabernet Sauvignon, Cab which Merlot. is a name that most people know. Yeah. Uh, Merlot. Cab Franc. Cab Franc. Uh, Malbec. Yeah. Petit Verdot. Carmenere was one. Yeah. It was the six. It got lost. It's a little they, small. It's, they, it's like a Petit Verdot or Tanat. It's a blending. It was. And it was. they thought it was completely extinct and wiped out by Fluxra. And what they found out. Argentina or uh, I think it was Chile. Chile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was in the early 90s because it tastes so much like Merlot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carmenere does. It might be the same thing. It could be. And what, But there's one thing about Carmenere that I get that I don't get from other ones is um, uh, the, the fresh bell cut pepper. Mm. And that's pyrazine. Yeah. Pyrazines. Pure... I mean, you, you can introduce those to be honest. So mm. like I did, I did a lot of research on those cause so Jack hates pyrazines. I hate pyrazine. Wait, <laughs> hold on. No, I don't know. One, if one, I open one, a bottle one, of a yeah. wine and it smells like a fresh cut bell pepper, I don't yeah. want to drink it. You know what? You know what causes that though is it's a lot of uh, so it's er- either early harvest, so they early harvested and that is what gives it that green flavor, mm-hmm. or um, and we're talking about green, talking about vegetal. Yeah, vegetal, like like biting into a green bell pepper. Like mm-hmm. if you ever bit into a green bell a pepper, one. or if you had fajitas, and you had grilled bell peppers, that's basically what it tastes like. Um, some people love that. Like some some yeah. people. That's what they want. I love it on my fajitas. I don't like it in my wine. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, the, Give me a poblanos all day, baby. Yeah. But don't punt it in my fucking. <laughs> don't punt it in my carbonara. Don't punt it in anything. Yeah. And it's it's uh so and ladybugs apparently. So if you have a hefty amount of ladybugs, when they interact with your grapes, which they fucking love grapes and wine, they love to hang on the fucking. Yeah, vibes. they're just like us. Ladybugs give off pyrazines. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. So See, I, this is I, part of the winemaking process because you're out in the field doing it. Yeah, it's, I had it's no weird, clue man. about like, that. Just weird little things like different bugs that interact. Like it's all about nature. Like nature is going to give off different things, and you get your your terroir, which is just the French the region. Word. Yeah, French word for the region that the, the Taste environment. Taste of a place. Yes. So your environment interacts with you. And you have to remember, wine is an agricultural product. Yeah. So we're I'm I'm a farmer. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, if you if you're a psalm, you're a winemaker. You're a farmer. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. 
If you're not on the sales part, that's what it is. That's what's you, crazy, man. You tend to these vines, you care for them, and then something like comes you grow, out of nowhere. You, yeah, you grow in Texas. Yep. So, as many of you know, we have these Texas floods and storms. Mm-hmm. You want to tell them a little bit about that random? Uh, oh yeah. So like our we we always have like a late spring freeze, which late spring April, early May, mm-hmm. mid May we got hit with back to back two days of hail, about mar God. little little bigger than marble size. Um, literally covered the ground. It looked like it had snowed twice. So like the first day it hit. Uh, I think it was like four or five hours of straight hail, and you're and it's destroying vines, just destroying everything. So and that's like, money. That's uh, yeah. money on oh, those yeah. vines, just dropping off the ground. So we got hit by four or five hours, knocked off a bunch of stuff. All of that melted by the end of the day, and everything was green and recovering. Had been watered and whatever. Second day, we got hit fifteen minutes. It looked like the same thing. So like it just it came down so hard and so fast it just it dropped just as much hail the second day as it did the first day and in fifteen just, minutes. Yep, first day was four or five hours at least. Like we were just I was stuck out on the patio because I couldn't go in inside, and uh, second day was like fi- literally fifteen minutes and wipes out just wiped out like all, all of our grapes were so anything had already budded was knocked off or destroyed or started to harden a little bit. So it started turning in. So the green shoots started turning brown because they had been attacked and they were trying to protect themselves. So that's not going to give off any, it's not going to get off anything great. So we, we stripped all the green off of like about 12 acres of vines. Oh God. And then, uh, That's so I mean, much. they're, they're harvesting the Grenache right now. So, I mean, it looks, the Grenache and the Mouved look beautiful. The Tempranillo was like, meh. Yeah. Um, luckily we, we ended up, uh, finding a sh- ton of Tempranillo out of the, the high plains. Yeah. And that was a, that was a fun day. I can imagine. Yeah. So I've heard stories too about similar things when it comes to weather in mm-hmm. Texas, it happens often. We'll just get these storms. Yep. We also have to deal with javelinas. Like oh, they love or grapes. Deer or deers love eating grapes yep. up. Foxes, uh, raccoons. Foxes, raccoons, all this, man. Yep. So you have to protect your vineyard. Because that's your money. Fuck those birds. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, but they just like grapes just as much as us. Yep. And so uh I've heard horror stories of just like so like a javelina. And their family getting into like a, a, a just like a couple of rows. Yep. And eat the entire yep. vineyard. Yep. And what? Just to put in perspective for people. Now I know this is California's numbers are different, but to to plant one acre, I know every grape has a certain price, but let's average about three dollars per a cluster or something like that yeah it's it's like uh so like the the high plains is anywhere from like 1700 to about 2200 a ton that's what you're paying for yeah um california i mean if you if you go if you're buying just like bulk wine which is just like 
they're just mass producing it and they're just like yeah. feeding it whatever it needs Gallo to like grow. Family. It's not going to taste great. Yeah. It's not going to taste great. You could get it probably down to like 800, but then you got to pay shipping. Yeah. So by the end of it. You're so just think about that. That storm comes or the javelina breaks in or the birds mm-hmm. come in. And the next thing you know. Yep. Gone. Done. And yep. that's a whole season's of work. Yeah. So we, we were expecting. So last year we had, I think it was like 12, 12 tons, 14 tons of, of product. And this year I think we're, uh, I think Adam said he was expecting about 40 tons so we're, we're going to at least triple, if not quadruple, our, our numbers that we were going to get from last year. But with the storm, uh, I mean, they're harvesting the Grenache. I think we're going to harvest Mouved in another week or two. Um, we'll see what we end up with. But I, I know they harvested the the Cab, the Petit Verdot, and the Tempranillo. And that maybe got a half ton, which is nothing. 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 <laughs> That's Might as well make it in a state bottle. Yeah. Um, well, people don't know a state bottle or something is kind of like allocated yeah. or um, the higher end. It's very rare. They like to the, keep it to themselves or the family. Drinks yeah. It. The family yeah. drinks it. It's, it's And if they sell it, it's expensive, but yep. it is what it is. Just try to make your money back. Yeah. So like when, when you see a, a, a date on a bottle that's the day so the 20 so we got a 2011 syrah Mm -hmm. that's when the grapes were harvested yes 20 not when the wine was bottled or made that's the usually was bottled about a year later six months later something like that um but that's that's also if you hear like oh this vintage is a great vintage and it's because more or less they had perfect weather or or even if it wasn't perfect weather, they didn't have any random shit happen. Yeah, no earthquakes or, no, or yeah, that no, in like, California. No, a lot. like terrible weather. Um, the fires destroyed right. Dariush uh, out of Napa. Shit. I mean, they they they're not doing a vintage for 2018. Wow. Yeah, they had to rebuild. The first fire that happened two years before that was structural damage. Didn't affect the vineyard. And everyone was like, this is going to be great because there's so much ash in the soil. And Cabernet Nitrogen. loves ash. Yep. That grape loves it. And we're like, we're expecting the best. And then another wildfire, which God bless everyone that lives in California that had to go through that. Your entire houses are burned down. Everything you own is burned down. Uh, and that happened to that vineyard. And it fucked the vines up and everything. And now they're having to... Cut them down to the roots. Yep. If they're around if they're still there yeah so the whole whole thing is <laughs> we're we're 34 minutes in this thing hmm. very nice and i feel like we've just been rambling to each other about wine but people uh if you've already tuned out don't worry you're still gonna learn some stuff yeah um so another thing is you have a very interesting technique on let's say you go to a party mm-hmm. and you brought a bottle of wine but there's no corkscrew or wine opener anywhere. Right. Now, I have my theories on how to open bottles. You told me one off mic that was... I've. Can you explain this to me? The, the fire one? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, there's there's all these, like, super... Like, not superstitions. Just, like, you, know, you can open it with a shoe or... Seen it all. 
And I've I've tried it, and I've broken a shit ton of bottles that way, or I fucked up some shoes that way, or wall, <laughs> or worse, or both drywall. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> fucked okay. up some drywall like that. Um, yeah, so like it honestly depends on the quality of the wine. You don't want to do this if it's a nice bottle. But, I mean, if it's just a regular bottle, like everyday wine that you're just trying to open up, um, go for it. You uh, In everyday bottle price range, we are talking $20 and under. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like, nothing you crazy expensive. You can find expensive. amazing bottles you can find for under every, $20. Like, amazing for like se- – I've, I've had some amazing ones for $17. Last Saturday, I went to Joe Sags, and they had this uh, Coterone on the shelf. It was t- – $17 and then on Saturdays they do a tasting out there it's like 15 20% off the bottles so I think I had it for like $15 out of the door and it was a 2011 Cote d'Aron fucking amazing yeah, it's but it was shit. $15 and even the du- even one of the dudes that works there was just like how did I miss this like mm-hmm. I go in these shelves all day long I was like because you're you're in the monkey house, man. You're smelling the shit. Like once you, you ever heard that? No, but I like it. So if you if you work in a monkey house, like the first day is gonna suck. You're gonna it's gonna smell really terrible. But once you're there for like a week, you stop smelling it. Yeah. You just get used. I to it. I worked in pet shops when I was yeah. young. Yeah. So once once you get in. used to the monkey shit, you don't see you don't see anything out of that. It's just you you live in that. So I was like, you you live in you live in this store basically. And you're just used to the stuff that's around you, and you don't see any of the gems that are sitting there yeah. in front of you, because you're so used to it. You're just like, oh, this is just another one of those whatevers. And I was like, look, I I I literally just go to your shelves. I know exactly where I need to go. These are the the highlight places that I've seen the best deals, and I'm gonna go hit those up every day. I don't spend more than twenty dollars there anytime I'm there. Good. If I do, it's like one that I'm taking a leap on, and it's like twenty one dollars. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not thirty or forty. It's like twenty one, twenty two, maybe. So for a new wine drinker, um, this is something that I think all wine drinkers do. Once you get into wine, you always want to find the best deal under twenty bucks. That's what I like to yep. do. And the best way to do it is for, first off, figure out what varietal you like. Yep. And you can easily find out flavor profiles online of what grapes, what what certain flavor profiles they have. Like, I love blueberry. Yeah. Like, that's a flavor profile I love. I love tobacco, and I like leather when it comes to tasting wine. Okay. Usually. So I go Petite Syrah is yep. usually my go-to. It's usually leathery. It's a little peppery. There's a lot of dark fruit and blue fruit, a lot of blackberry, a lot of blueberry. So now I go, this is what I like. This is the grape I like. Now, where do I find one under 20 bucks that's going to be decent? Total so now you, you have, yeah, you can <laughs> ask people and they'll show you. And then you got to think growing areas. So there's certain places that Petite Syrah grows that I really like. And in California, they do. Mm. Even though Petite Syrah, um, is a hybrid grape from France. It's Syrah and Pensil. It's actually called Duraf. It's not even related to Syrah. Uh, it's just... I didn't a, know that. It's, <laughs> we're teaching each other today. Yeah. And so it, it looks like a Syrah grape. It's just smaller, but it has a thick skin. So yeah. it's actually bigger and bolder in flavor than a Syrah, most. 
And so Petite Syrah from California, when it gets enough light, right, when you get enough energy, you're producing more sugar, right? The grape produces more sugar. And then when you're in the fermenting process, the yeast eats that sugar, produces alcohol. And then that's how we break down the fermentation process. So as a, for, as a uh, harvester winemaker, you're looking for bricks level, which is sugar content. There you go. And then oh, half of that and a little bit more is more or less what will turn into alcohol. So like if you have like a – don't don't quote me on this because I'm not looking at a chart, but like 24 bricks level, you'll, you'll have about 12 to 13, 13 and a half, 14 percent alcohol. That makes sense. Yep. They do that with beer as well, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just a fermenting. Like you, you want to check the sugar content. And you look at you, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple ways to do it, but basically you want to know where the sugar content is with so. the must, uh, or with the base product, and then you can either add sugar or well not with wine, but uh, with beer you add sugar, and then bump up your bricks level. And with level. wine you add yeast or. With wine, you you let it hang on the vines until it gets to the bricks level that you want to hit. And then you harvest it at that bricks level. It'll be more or less that. Nice. I feel like uh, we just took this into a uh, more advanced. But uh, we're going to be right back, and we're going to pop another bottle. All right. We are back. Domcast Winecast with uh, at... I am James R. Smith with Chateau Wright. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. Winery, Texas. Some of the greatest shit you're ever going to taste. But we're coming in hot like a tattoo needle in a Bear County prison cell. All right. And now we're going to answer some questions on corks and twist off. Now, this is becoming something that in the future... I truly believe all wines will be twist-offs. And now this does not dictate the quality of the wine whatsoever. It it becomes a political thing. Yeah, there's still stigma on it, though. There are. There's yeah. people that love cork. Yeah. So you have to understand now, uh, if you're new to drinking wine... That a twist-off doesn't mean it's cheap. So Portugal owns the monopoly on cork. Now, New Zealand owns the monopoly on aluminum. So in New Zealand, in Australia, kind of decided was, you know what? I don't want to pay the tariffs and the shipping and the taxes to get cork all the way down here in the southern hemisphere. Uh, it costs a lot of money. We make all the aluminum. And they also believe, you know, what they call the Stelvin system, which is basically just a twist-off, keeps the wine preserved because there's less oxidation or risk of it getting corked with fungus or bacteria on the cork. And now this is becoming and spreading like wildfire as the new thing. I mean, I've, I think I poured a bottle the other day that was like a $120 bottle but at a twist-off just very weird how do you do that as a sum like what's the what's the (laughs) how to do it what's the protocol do you show it and you're just like you show it but you don't (laughs) twist the top 
So what you do is just like the regular label has, mm -hmm. um, you have the bottom part. So you hold the bottle and then they hold the bottom part, not the top part. Mm -hmm. And you actually twist the bottom part counterclockwise for you. Okay. And then what happens is it goes, right? Yeah. And it makes a cork popping sound. And then you just take the top off. Ah, okay. And then what you do is you slide that <laughs> into your server apron yeah. or something. <laughs> and then you pour it and you let them taste it. Nice. Becoming wildly popular, too, for American wines. Yeah, that's like some of the good shit out of California. Oregon and, yeah, Washington. Washington yeah. They're all twist-offs They're now. all progressives. I mean, cork, cork costs a lot of money to make, and it's not great for the environment, from what I hear, but... Yeah, well, you know, is aluminum? No, <laughs> <laughs> sweet Jesus, probably not. <laughs> so we uh, we didn't finish this question earlier, but you actually have the best answer to this question. Oh yeah, if you don't have a tool to open a wine bottle and you're at a party, yeah, easy easiest way. So yeah, don't do the shoe method. You're gonna mess up some drywall or a shoe or the bottle. Um, but there is a an air gap between the wine and the cork, and you basically you take a lighter and heat up that air gap, and the air will expand because it's heated and eventually push the cork out. Um, and then you can move that up and down the neck of the bottle as. How long as, does it take for that? I haven't done it in a while. So it's been it's been a while. I mean, it might take a minute or two. And then but, slowly because of... Yeah, it'll slowly push it out and, and do that. I, honestly, if you're really impatient, just push the cork straight through the neck of the bottle with like a screwdriver or something. And you're... That was my or your finger. thing. Yeah. Just, just push, push, just the, push cork the cork in, in. It will splash a little bit. Yep. And, and then, then you kind of yeah, you put pour your, it and then kind of maybe put like a... Yeah. Hold it, something so you can get it out there. Because once, once it's... Once, once you it's pour going, about three or four ounces out, yeah, then you're the fine. cork's floating yeah. at the... The top. Yeah, and you're yep. good. Yeah, you're fine. So, so I mean, there's there's a couple of different ways. Honestly, the easiest way is just push the, push the cork straight in. It's not going to really mess up your bottle of wine. Uh, but if you really want that cork out, yeah, just just heat up that air gap with some some uh, fire. So, you've I know you have. You've come to where the cork breaks. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. If it's an old cork, so if it's an older bottle, and they haven't changed the cork out, uh, so a lot of French wines, once it gets to a certain age, they'll go into their cellars and pull the old corks out and put new ones in. That's so interesting to me. Yeah, and I, I in in my mind, it was like, does, doesn't that oxidate it? Yeah, because you're a adding bit. more oxygen, right. fresh oxygen into it. Right, and maybe that's why they're so great. It's because it gives it a little bit of that old oxygen, and then mm. they recork it and gives it new oxygen, and it maybe changes the flavor a little. I don't know. Gives it a breath of fresh air. But yeah, I mean, there's so there's a couple different ways. If it if it breaks on you, basically you carefully insert the corkscrew. Uh, into the, the non-broken part that's still in there. If you've got... Uh... And see, I would always twist it. I never wanted to puncture because I didn't want to have cork in the wine. Yeah. So I would at least try to figure out how to twist it, and then I would shimmy it slowly out. Yeah. But then there's times where... And I find this with... 
I yeah, find this often with Italian and Spanish wines. Yeah, it's it's basically so dried out that it's stuck against the bottle, so you want to at least move it around a little bit if you can, um, and break that that seal that it has with the 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 bottle. Um, sometimes you're just gonna get cork in your wine, and you're just gonna have to use. Yeah. You, you said a. This, what, yeah, this yeah. is my technique because there's some, I mean, there's some Riojas and stuff that have yeah. been well, Rioja, northern, uh-huh. northeastern Spain, uh, also the Basque people and all that. Really great Tempranillo, but they have very strong laws on how to age their wine. And sometimes you're getting a 10-year-old bottle and a 10-year-old cork that's dried out. So when it breaks, and if it's broken to a point where I can't shimmy it out, what I do is I break the cork into the wine, okay? So there's just crumbs of cork. I get a decanter. I put a coffee filter over the top, and then I just slowly pour the wine into the decanter and then use the coffee filter to filter out any of the cork, and yep. then you have a nice clean wine, and uh, you have a nice-looking uh, decanter full of wine. Yeah. So, great question. That's the best way to do it. I think, uh, what else do you have over there? What other questions did I say? Or um, what, what did you get? I, th- I, got, well, I got one that was like, what is my favorite wine? Oh, that's a good question. Well, you have to have a favorite in both white and red, right? You don't yeah. drink much white, dude. I well, don't, we I don't all drink white wine, but yeah, I don't drink a yeah, I don't drink a lot of white wine. Um, do you like Sauvignon Blanc or Riesling? You know what? I do. I do like Sauvignon Blanc. Like if I had to pick a if I have to pick a white that I would normally go for, it would be a Sauvignon Blanc from Marlboro, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, Matua, Mahua, um, okay, Nobilo. Me, like if I'm looking for just something cheap, Nobilo's good. Yeah, too, it's like just seven bucks. It's, it's the same fucking uh, flavor profile. Yeah. So if people don't know Marlboro, New Zealand produces Sauvignon Blanc. Even though Sauvignon Blanc is from France, it's from the Loire Valley. Well, they actually say it's from Bordeaux, but whatever. Sauvignon Blanc and Cab Franc are the parents of Cabernet Sauvignon. One's yep. a white wine, one's a red wine. Somehow. Uh, the roots produce something, and that's how Cabernet Sauvignon came around. Now, what makes Sauvignon Blanc from Marlboro, almost like the cigarettes, New Zealand so special is its maritime climate. Now, New Zealand, if you don't know shit, like I usually don't, uh, is two separate islands. Marlboro is located at the most northern tip of the southern island. And this growing mm, climate gives this really light grape, a lot of grapefruit notes, a lot of gooseberry, grassy notes. It's medium to high in acidity. If you're from Texas and you're used to heat and you want something to just chill on the patio and chug, Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand is your jam. It will always be a twist off. It usually is never oaked, and it's delicious. And uh, I think you can always get bottles for. Um, Did you you can get a bottle for like under ten dollars, easy and good. That's gonna like blow it's your solid. mind. Solid, yeah. 
And especially since they don't use oak in it, it keeps it cheaper. Oak's very expensive. Mm-hmm. And they don't use cork, so it makes it cheaper. <laughs> and it's coming from the place that has all the aluminum, so it makes it cheaper. Yeah, like like a lot of like a lot of expensive wines. So like we were looking at this Ventu or we're looking at the Chateauneuf du Pop. This is like a heavy duty bottle. They've definitely customized mm-hmm. it. It's got their Chateauneuf du Pop uh logo label like yeah blown into the glass yeah so i mean that's that's extra so like like a bottle like an actual bottle of like will cost you two three four dollars depending on what kind of bottle plus the cork or the twist off the, I, i'm only familiar with cork the cork's gonna cost you like a dollar or something a cork. So I mean, you've already got three to five dollars into this bottle, and you haven't without the wine. Yeah, yeah, you haven't you filled haven't it up, filled and you haven't even put the label on it. So yeah, <laughs> that's what makes higher price wines. Doesn't mean they're better. It just means the person also, because you don't know what juice is going in the bottle. But if someone's putting that much time yep, and, and effort, effort into making the presentation of the bottle so exquisite. You best believe there's some probably good juice in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it, it. It. Yes or no? I mean, you're there's a there's a ton of different things that you look at. I mean, it's just it's it's. You don't know what's behind it until you buy it. To be honest with you, because I mean, I thought I thought this Syrah was going to be fantastic. I I thought so as well, and this yeah. it was kind of flat, but it's yeah, all right. It's, yeah. So let's say an intro wine drinker wants a red to start off with. Nothing too dry, nothing too light. Well, the 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 the, the problem that a lot of people have is, is their their perception of dry is tannic. Mm-hmm. So, like in people's minds, they're like, "Oh, that's a dry wine. I'm not gonna like it because it's overly tannic, which is the dries out your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like the like if your teeth stick to your gums or if your tongue sticks to the bottom of your your mouth, mm-hmm. the tannins are." The same that you would have if you like sucked on tea leaves. Like it's it's the stems and the leaves and the seeds, grapes and the skins itself. that give off. And then also oak, a dry and the oak the that gives off a dryness in your mouth that your mouth sticks to itself. Um, dry wine, the term dry wine just basically means not sweet. So you could have True. a juicy fruit forward. Grenache, that's a little bit sweet. That you, that's not, quote unquote, dry. It doesn't dry your mouth out because there's no heavy tannins in it. But still considered a dry wine because not sweet. So like if you go to a restaurant and they're like, do you want a dry or a sweet? That's what they're talking about. They're like, do you want it to taste sweet because it's got extra sugar in there? Residual sugar. Residual sugar add. that's hanging out in there that was unfermented or added for some reason. I don't know why. but They do that to Rieslings and Moscatos yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, or do you want a dry red or white? And that's that's what they mean is not – it's dry is just not sweet. Like there's no – dry doesn't mean it's going to dry your mouth out. It doesn't mean mm. whatever. And in different varietals will give off different flavors, have different amounts of tannin that are usually acceptable within that. Um, Pinot Noir is the the – easy red wine for non-red wine drinkers to get into see and pinot noir is what got me into wine but it's also very acidic mm-hmm. 
So you have to get it from a warmer climate. My, my but it red can't was do it. Malbec. See, Malbec, Pinot, I liked because it was light, and I was like, I can drink this. Yeah. But the acid was so high, yeah. I couldn't. So Malbec and Merlot were kind of like the two that were like, they're not as big as a cab. Mm-mm. Actually, Malbec was mine too. And it all comes from Argentina, yeah. and I loved it all. Yep. Yeah, I like I like. So my my ex got me into into wine. And she liked Pinot Grigio. She liked Sauvignon Blanc. She liked Malbec. Interesting. And she just she just two got, whites and a red. Yeah, she just she got me into it. Um, shout out. <laughs> I don't remember, I don't remember her Instagram, but it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> um, Fuck her. That's her Instagram. <laughs> Is she still cool at you? No. Okay. Then um, fuck her. That's her Instagram. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, so she got me into wine, and I, I give her full credit because I was hardcore whiskey, tequila. I didn't I didn't really like beer. I still don't really super enjoy beer. I'll drink it. I like good stouts and porters. I mean, I, and I, then light. Beer. I will. I can appreciate it. I just don't seek it. Yeah. Um, but like we were talking know. about price points. It's always about finding the best bottle under twenty bucks. Yeah. But if you're gonna spend forty dollars on a bottle, get a bottle of bourbon. Yeah, get a, get, yeah, get yourself a good bottle of bourbon. Yeah, I, I don't like to spend more than $20 because you don't have to. Like, I, I see all in, in these restaurants and, like, and I, I I almost feel obligated. Like, I feel bad ordering the cheap bottle because, like. I don't. I don't give a fuck I because know. I usually know more about that damn bottle than the other person. Yeah, true that. So, it's like the crossing yeah. I had on sale for $20 a bottle. The, the Sauvignon Blanc? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's from Marlboro, New Zealand. Yeah, it's fucking perfect. And so, why do I need to go Mary Edwards? That was in French oak or from Kim Russian Crawford Ru- or exa- so Kim yeah. Crawford's like. And shout out to everyone who's seen Kim Kim Crawford. He's a dude. Oh, is he? Yeah, I didn't even know that. He was actually one of the guys who uh, invented Atari. Oh, that's pretty badass, though. Yeah, and then he invested a lot I, of his I mean, money. I mean, in, yeah. He invests a lot of his money into vineyards in Stardews. I never Juice. bought an Atari, man. I never got into that. I, my first system was Sega Genesis. My first system was a PlayStation 1. The portable one or the, the regular PlayStation? The old school PlayStation. So that's the original. Play, that's PlayStation. PlayStation 1 is the portable one with the screen. Oh, no, no, no. Then PlayStation. But I had a like, neighborhood in 64. I know more about video games than I do wine, man. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a portable one, though. Yeah. Someone stole it, but I used to play Final Fantasy like, Tactics on it. Oh, nice. That was my jam. I'm really into RPGs. No, but I, I think... I did MMORPG. So I got I got hardcore into, like, EverQuest on PS2. See, like, these are the things that, like, people who get into wine beyond the fact... And just to clarify, guys, the best part of wine is drinking it. It's mm-hmm. not about knowing it. But if you know just enough to know how to order it and enjoy it... Yeah. It'll change your life. Yep. So like I said, we go buy I, I'll go into any restaurant. Just if they got a twenty dollar bottle of Sauvignon Blanc from Marlboro, New Zealand, yeah, I don't I'm need in. to know anymore. Nope. I know exactly what it's gonna taste like. I know exactly it's gonna it, taste like it the grass, best one that I've ever had. Doesn't matter. But it'll be worth it. It's twenty bucks. Yep. That's five dollars a glass. Yep. Dude, there was this one place that I used to go to in on Grayson. It was called the Bin. And it was Jason Dady's reinvention of Bin 555. Huh. It's like he had that one over in Bitters and 
West Ave or whatever. Um, but yeah, he opened the bin and that was around for a while. They did a, uh, shout out Jason Dady. Yeah. I, I love your food, but your restaurants could use some work. Sorry. Uh, they need constructive not, criticism. Not could use some work. The, I don't know, man. I I could talk. I don't want to. I think talk, he, I don't want to yeah, talk yeah, shit yeah. about food anyway. No, no. All I gotta <laughs> say is he does a lot. He does. And so it's very hard to control. Twelve restaurants when you when go you're when you're one. in the middle of opening another one. <laughs> yes, but shout out Jason Dady because that's a yeah. guy who's hardcore in the game. That food, fucking, his loves food it. is amazing. Well, he loves the game. He does. He loves being part of he it. Does. He loves the industry. Um. Just so. need those three compartment sinks. No. But anyway. I, w- <laughs> I am I w- not going to. Bl- you know, I've said some racy things on here, some fucked up things on here. But me, me I almost felt like I needed to bleep that out. But me, I want me and I want, my I want, old I business partner, man. We were looking at getting a troll uh, account for restaurants because like, why are four or five star restaurants getting 80s on their uh their health, because, their because health review, storing food in like incorrectly or the bathroom. Andrew in Wiseman. The bathroom. <laughs> All right, let's not shout everyone else out. He had a lot of product. He was going through signature, whatever. Yeah. No. Oh was... God. <laughs> like literally, I could spend a whole episode just talking shit about the food here in San Antonio. But I love the food in San Antonio. No, we're getting there, but yeah. it's also people. People had to take risks. Wiseman had to take a risk. He did. Dady had to take a risk. Yep. If you have that product. The, no yeah, one Johnny, said someone took an Johnny Hernandez di- had to take a risk on La Gloria putting out shitty Mexican food and a know, and Mexican food to... heavy city. I know. And he does, and people still show up. My car's parked there right now. Oh, God, I hate that. I'm on the other side. I'm, I'm fucking nine miles away from my car. Johnny right Hernandez's now. food is amazing. His restaurants are absolute I just think shit. It, I, he got <laughs> smart with like his beer. Like you go there for happy hour, it's like two dollars any draft beer. It's cheap. You have cheap beer in San Antonio, you're gonna make a million dollars. Yeah. And um, be honest. But shout uh, out Johnny Hernandez. Shout out Jason. I Dave. like shout out Weissman. all of their because food. no one was doing that shit ten years ago, they man. Were. Well, they were doing shit ten years ago, but they were in the baby stages right. of it. Yep. Like Weisman was. You know what I mean? So what was his seafood now restaurant? Now he's actually laying back. Oh, uh, Sandbox. Sandbox, dude. I'm not Sandbox. That's no. the bar I like to go to with all the hot no, that is bartenders. Sandbar. Sandbar. Yeah, I'm, Sandbox is the one off I the miss, Boulevard with all the... I miss Sandbar. Sandbar was great. I fucking miss it. It was great. But not everything can uh, last. Stay around. So, it's like seasons. Should things change. Seasons, seasons 52. Shout out. Vintages <laughs> change, you know? Yeah. Man, now we're getting the wines getting us a little testy over <laughs> here, dude. I could I could roast I restaurants all day. I can't believe we just did now. But you know right what, now. man? Sweet Jesus. Are you serious? Yeah. Holy shit. I was like, "Hey, let's do like 15 more minutes." Yeah. Now we're Wait, like an additional hour? No, now we're over an hour. Oh, okay. I thought we did an additional over the No. Oh, fuck. Okay, cool. We just blew 20 minutes by like nice. it was a fucking horde of crack house. <laughs> she nice. blew that shit so quick. Hey. Dude, I uh, I mean, so like you go into restaurants in the, in the, the be all end all is going into a restaurant, knowing what you want to get, knowing what's going to taste good to you. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to cost you a hundred, $200 for a bottle. Like if you go into a restaurant and you spend a hundred, $200 a bottle. Cool. You better, you better buy it from, you better night. for, you better buy it from Dom. 
at supper. Yeah. Or, and I or, hope you're or, getting or what do you call it? I don't work. I, I work for the Whataburger at the Pearl. Whataburger at the Pearl. So if you want to get some supper at the Whataburger at the Pearl. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to like no. buy two buy two fifty dollar bottles that are fucking fantastic. We're just like we were talking about earlier. If you have a date, one bottle is not going to last long. No. So you're going to want to get that second bottle in there, and then make it a little bit. If you can get three bottles, about ten bucks each. That's thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. That's fucking twelve glasses. That's six drinks each. Yep. That's a six pack, and you're watching Netflix. Yep. You'll be chilling before. The wine, the wine, wine makes you feel great, man. The reason why people, when when most people get drunk off of wine, and initially when they're young, and they're like, "Man, that was the worst hangover I've ever had in my life." It's like, yeah, if you're drinking bullshit, you're gonna feel like bunch like, of soul fights. And, and I, everything. I've tried to I've tried to teach people. So like when I first started drinking illegally at like 16, mm-hmm. all of my friends were like. McCormick vodka. That's where it's at. Oh yeah. McCormick handles are eight dollars. We can get really fucked up and spend no money. There's like another Russian one too. There's like a Uh, Heaven Hill Svedka. I mean, if any of these are, it doesn't matter. Skull. Yeah, skull. But I just remember one. I would specifically get. There's like five ninety nine. There's like some Russian buildings and a red label on it. I don't remember that. But there's a reason why more expensive alcohol gives you less hangers because you're putting purified, filtered. There's less crap in it. Hey, little home secret. You want something, you want a vodka to taste like nothing? Tito's? What you get? Put some sugar in it. No, carbon filter. Oh, really? That's yeah. it? Run it through Put carbon. it through a filter. Uh, Brita, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's it. Yeah. Because take your skull what, what vodka, put do? it through a bitter Brita. What do they do when they're finishing it? They yeah, run they it through carbon filters. Yeah, basically. So you to take get, off the flavor. Oh, it's the called color. Taka. Taka vodka. Oh, shit. You dude, remember that, that? Yes. Dude. Okay. I used to buy a ton of that. Okay, so you so can if you, take, you take one handle of taka and you take two big things of Hawaiian punch, two different flavors. Uh, panty dropper. Mix all that together. That is my secret to punch all day, <laughs> all day. I used to throw huge parties, man, well, and we would do that with a keg and jello shots. Oh yeah, ten dollars. For you two days of getting fucked up. Something about like pink panty droppers back in the day, and you would get like the, um, you remember they sell it almost like in a can, but it was a pre-mixed slushy look thing. It was like oh, a flavor thing. That. You just added water to it, you stirred it up, and you had fruit punch at home. No idea. Okay, well you I would add like two or three of those, <laughs> yeah. a bottle of vodka, then you would add beer into it, Oof. and then you'd stir it all up. We'll call it pink panty dropper. Wow. Oh, and like Sprite because it's carbonation. I, 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 had a, I had one night where we did what was called hashtag bucket of mistakes. <laughs> and what is this, my autobiography? Yeah, literally. Sweet Jesus. It was... <laughs> it was it was literally we looked at what we had. We had all brought alcohols, beer, vodka, Captain Morgan, wine, Boone's Farm, mm. all kinds of stuff. No one had bothered to buy mixers. So you just had. And so someone's I, 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 it was probably part my idea, but also part other people's ideas. 
was basically just to mix all of these types of liquors together in a bucket. And the only bucket we found was a dirty mop bucket. And I was like, someone should clean that. And then no one paid attention and just started pouring. So, yeah, bucket of mistakes. It no wasn't. One died? It, it wasn't bad. There wasn't now, like pine I mean, there was salt there poisoning? was like Bud Light, Budweiser, Miller, Captain Morgan, some uh, Svet Smirnoff, Boone's Farm, a red wine, a white wine, like an actual, like probably probably like a five dollar wine, but whatever. Um, and maybe like a Sprite, like someone had a part of a Sprite from McDonald's in their cup, <laughs> and they were just like, "Fuck it, just yeah. pour it in there." Yeah. Yeah, bucket of mistakes. It was the worst, best thing oh, I've ever had. Like, you couldn't taste I anything. Mean, it tasted like beer. Uh, I just Captain feel like Morgan. I need to write a memoir now called Bucket of Mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's Those are all those party punches back in the day. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, this is, really this is science punch. and, like, facts, dude. If you get a cheap, less than $10 vodka, you have a Brita. Right? Yeah, run it that bitch. Run it over like maybe four or five times. Yeah. So just pour it in, let it filter. Quadruple filtered. Yep. And yep. then pour that into something else. Rinse your Brita, pour it again. Yep. You'll go through the whole carbon packet mm-hmm. for the bottle. And then you taste it. It's like 90% better. Smoothest shit yep. you've ever had in your life. Yep. Because you're taking all the stuff out of it. You know what? One of the coolest ways to get rid of. Uh, do you remember that vodka called like 34 below or 32 below 20, uh, 30 below or 28 below some? Yeah. No, that was, that? that was, uh, Justin Timberlake's. Was it? I think so. So what we did was, cause you know, maybe you're new to this, but like, uh, not you, the listeners, but you can't freeze hard liquor because it's too much alcohol. So you right. can't freeze it. So what they did to get rid of all the discrepancies and, um, what they would do is they would freeze the vodka 30 something degrees below zero. And then all the impurities would rise to the top like a gel and they would scoop it out. Sounds and then all you were left with was the pure vodka hmm. with no impurities in it. Hmm. The I, most I'm, I'm, unique. I'm pretty sure the, yeah, that was Justin Timberlake's cause I remember that name. Yeah, I don't know what ever happened to it. Mm. It's yeah. probably still on the shelf. Like celebrity, celebrity, celebrity buys part of alcohol company, promotes it on their next album. It's I've blown, been Aykroyd. Blown, I got skull vodka. Skull vodka was the worst fucking vodka I've ever tried. I tried know because he spent all his money in the bottle. Yeah, seriously, on the bottle. All of it was the it. bottle, and everything else was just like skull vodka. <laughs> That's yeah. where they source their. Yeah. Filler with it's just like why did you spend so much money on this vodka? Yeah. Interesting. The only one I think that was successful was George Clooney Which with Casamigos oh. tequila. Casamigos tequila. It's not George Clooney. George Strait. George Clooney. Clooney bought it, built it the fuck up, sold it. George Strait was that he's Tapatio Springs. I don't know what vodka or I don't know what alcohol he's part of. Casamigos. Are you sure? Maybe, right, but I know, I know Clooney was in there. All right, I believe it. They're all in Epstein Island well, drinking vodka, ha, fucking kids. I used to sell. Uh, I used to sell 
Billy Can Gibbons we... tequila. Oh yeah. Pura Viva tequila. I did like a, a year long promo with him. Met a ton of people through that. That was interesting. Met I, Billy I, a couple I had times. I uh, Ron White's tequila on my birthday in Austin nice. on Rainy Street at a yeah. crawfish boil. Hell yeah. He dressed like the guy from fucking Jurassic Park, all white, everything with the white hat. and he's <laughs> That's awesome. Know. Yeah. I no, asked I, him, just because I never knew if I was ever going to see Ron White again, uh, probably I just not. wanted to say something stupid yeah. and see if I could make Ron White laugh. Nice. So I made this little joke up about foot jobs, and I asked him it, and then he goes, I don't know what you're tripping out about foot jobs. I fucking love them. <laughs> so, and I know, like, in the comedy scene, like, people always tell stories about, like, there's this famous comedian that loves foot jobs. I'm not okay. trying to blow anyone's cover. But who else would say that? Yeah, probably. <laughs> so I think it's Ron White. I met I met Jim Jeffries one time. I met... Oh, God, uh, that would have been awesome. Burt Kreischer. Oh, yeah. What, LOL yeah. or where? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. uh he's actually supposed to be Ari Shafir is coming back this weekend. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's Ari Shafir, Burt Kreischer. I think Mark Norman's gonna be here. Santa Mark Tony Norman's Burt. gonna be fuck yeah. Yeah, because he tours with Burt. Now he does. Yeah. Before he and wasn't. Mark Norman is Jerry Seinfeld's favorite comedian right now. Really? Mm-hmm. Why isn't Jerry he on? Told him that. Why isn't he on his show? Doesn't need to be. Huh. Now Mark Norman's blowing shit up. Yeah. Yeah, but. Coffee uh, comedians getting coffee, whatever cars, coffee, whatever the fuck. Oh, because Mark Norman would just be like, "Oh, this is a nice car. Good thing I came already." Uh, A little jizz in the back seat. You know, you you know that's his style Mm -hmm. of humor. You know, what are you gonna do? You're gonna have coffee with Obama and then have Mark Norman come on there and talking about fuck yeah. You know, (laughs) fucking God. Jamie Foxx has been on there. Like you know. Yeah, but he's not over here talking about yeah, busting true. nuts left or right and shit. Well, you can't have a Louis C.K. on there anymore either, so. Uh, yeah, but sadly, it should come back. He will. In but a year or two. In like two, three years. Dude, this has been a great wine cast, man. Yeah. Every single one. Back to wine. I'm going to take I'm gonna take a little five-minute, because okay. Dom Caesar's got sit down for a second. Okay. <laughs> We'll be right back, though. Thank you for everyone still listening. I hope this is the best thing you are listening to in traffic, at work, on the job, or just playing it in front of your parents, hoping they do not hate you afterwards. Um, And everyone, please, please, please subscribe, rate, review. Y'all have already. Numbers are crazy, and I thank you. And I hope that you've learned something on this We'll come back just to say goodbye because it's Taco Tuesday and shit is going down. Uh, All right, we're back and we're going to end this wine cast with some stories, dude. And I just wanted to punt out there, you know, I'm not a sugar daddy. I'm a stevia daddy. I'm kind of like the suburban sugar daddy, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever <laughs> ran into this? I feel like this generation now doesn't we'll want to work. We'll take care of your water bill. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'll pay your AT and T bill. Wow! And uh, phone or internet? Because there's a difference. Mm, <laughs> it just matters. Can she suck a nail out of casket? <laughs> <laughs> then I'll pay both. Don't give a shit. All right. So we've been drinking wine. It's been a great time. Um, on this sugar daddy thing, San Antonio got raided 
as one of the highest cities for sugar daddies and sugar babies. I believe that. Yes. So have you ever had an encounter with Oh, one? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. How'd it work? Like, I'm not... I'm not <laughs> I'm not that old. Don't have to name names. I'm not that old. Like I, I just turned thirty in August. I turned thirty in May. Yeah, I, you know, thirty, thirty is a significant year from what I hear. I don't feel any different than I did when I was twenty-eight. Yeah, so. time doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> what were they wanting? Yeah, no, like I don't know, man. Like, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. It's like premium Snapchat this patreon that uh I don't trust that. joint yeah i don't either i just like or or like straight straight to the point and they're like uh 30 30 minutes hour of my time for x amount and i'm like Ugh. see like for me dude like i feel like i'm at that point where i like like i like moms i like single moms i i, I went on that train for a little while it's fun i love that train because it's like they know, dude. They had to mature quicker, usually. Yeah. Uh, they, like, I don't, I don't, cicadas. We live yeah. in Texas. If you can hear that, cicadas outside. Yeah. Um, cicadas. Uh, when you're my age and you're 30, but you're still. There's, <sighs> there's only like three girls in San Antonio over 25 years old that don't have children. Maybe 10. Let's say 10. I'm going to say 10. Because oh, I can name of a five, city I can name, of 1.8 million I can, people. Yeah, there's we'll, 10. We'll take 10. No, but see, as I've aged, I've become more attracted to moms. Yeah. Chewed up nipples, for, are, broad shoulders from holding kids around. Are you looking for a mom of your own? Is that what uh, you're. No, because I, I, I don't want to have like I feel like at this point, unless like I'm I'm gonna marry her, I'm not gonna have a kid. Yeah. But I would easily you know, adopt I, a kid and teach him all the cool shit I know. Like right. hey, I, do you like guitar? I'll teach you how to play guitar. There's a lot there's a lot and I think that comes from there's a lot less uh unknown when the kid's already born. True. And it, it's it's much weirder when it's yours. Cause then you're responsible. True. <laughs> like, okay, let's say I dated a single mom right now, and they have a kid who's like what, five, six years old. Mm-hmm. By the time you're, seven, you already know what's like. You skipped all this terrible shit. Yeah, and, until they're the until they're teenagers, and, kind of and then it's even worse. Yeah, but, but when it's teenagers, it's like, hey man, I know how it was. I'll get through it. I just want to be safe, right? But but because you're their parental figure, they're just like. So I have, I have a friend right now. She's she's got a thirteen year old. And man, he's going through a rough time. But of course, thirteen is weird. You yeah, it's a weird don't fucking know how time. To work and I told dick. her, I was you like, look, hair everywhere. Yeah, I was like, hey, look out for this. Like, do not by any means go into any room without knocking twice. Yes, because you're gonna see him with his dick in his hand, <laughs> doing weird shit, yeah. smelling an old towel for no reason. Just, <laughs> <laughs> It's just weird things like that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I want to be not a Stevia daddy, but like there, I will say there are a couple of women on my radar that I was like, you know what? You're cool enough and you're down enough that because like kids that age, let's say from the age of seven to 11, right? Okay. They love all the shit I love. Pokemon. 
movies. Dumb. Like, you know, they love all the shit I love. Yeah. So we can definitely get along. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now I get that. Until they're 13 and then you're like, fuck, what did I just Then do? when they're 13, I'm like, I'll teach you how to be a man. And that's when I teach them all the cool shit. Yeah, but that's only if you get a, a girl with a, a son. Well, the girls, that always, that, that the, always, the women I'm interested into uh, all have sons. Yes, that's which is super dope. That kind of I'll bo- teach it you bothers what, me too. I'll point. teach you what a four three defense is. I'll know, teach I you what a, a play action fucking wheel route is. Let's let's talk about sports. Let's talk about fishing. Whatever their whatever their interests are, like I'm all, I'm I'm super down. Isn't that the weird thing about like aging though? Because like I'm not attracted to young women anymore. Like, if you're 21, 22, like you're a girl to me. Do you know what I mean? But if you're fucking 28, 29, some chewed up nipples, some broad shoulders, and a nine year old, give I, it to me all day. <laughs> I always preferred older women. Like I've always like even even when I was like 16, 17, I was. Older back then was like a year or two older. Like, yeah. like I was a, I was pretty young for my high school. Like I was a year ahead, okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah, so I, I was like sixteen. About. Everyone was seventeen. So yeah, that was my older. It's like I was seven, sixteen. They were seventeen. I was interested, whatever. And then when I was nineteen, it was like thirty-nine year olds. So. That, know, that escalated kind of quick. And then I was course. like, yeah, 39 is my sweet spot. And now that I'm 30, 39 is kind of still my sweet spot. I like that. <laughs> um, I, I always go by the rule half your age plus seven. So I'm 30. So 15 is like 22. But 22-year-olds piss me off. I can't. Yeah, I can't. Hot, I can't. I can't talk to like anything under 25. I'm just like annoyed. If you couldn't. Choose Bulbasaur, I'm, I'm not, Charmander, not, or Squirtle. Yeah. <laughs> then I don't. I have nothing in common. I'm with not you. annoyed. I. I mean, there's all kinds. How all, do you feel about the fact that dating someone and then eventually, if you, I don't like to date, man. I, I really, I really hate it. Like it's an, it's annoying. No, it was, there's oh, a lot of compromise. What's your favorite color? What's yeah. your favorite movie? It's like I don't want to do that all over. Well, I, don't, I don't want to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that it's like you and, and a lot of a lot of so the problem is a lot of women like across the board, younger, older, doesn't matter um, Like you get real with them too fast and they just freak out. And they're just like, like, I, I don't want to know your favorite movie because I don't care. Yeah. Which is probably like, like Titanic. It doesn't. Or it doesn't. Dream. It doesn't fucking matter. Your favorite movie is not going to be my favorite movie. It never will. If it is, it's pure coincidence at best. The fuck is your favorite um, movie? Mine, closer. You ever watched it? Mm-mm. You gotta watch it. Okay. Clive Owen. Okay. Jude Law. Okay. Julia Roberts. Natalie Portman. Okay. It's fucking fantastic. All right, closer. Right closer. It's like $4 or $3 at uh, Half Price Books. I don't give a fuck. <coughs> as long as my check hits, I don't give a fuck. That's my favorite fucking movie in the world. And it's because it's fucking raw, man. It's so raw and it's unfiltered and it's basically like, this is real life. This is the shit that you're going to go through in real life. And you're like, holy fuck, that's so close to home. It's uncanny. That's, what I call it uncanny. that's how I felt hit home with the Joker. 
Yeah. That shit was intense. I need to watch. I still need to watch. And that's someone, like, I've gone through depression and mental illness and stuff. So, me watching that was like watching the descent of someone going into madness. I love the descent. I do too. (laughs) The Marianas Trench of fucking. Yeah. We went down the descent of wine. Dude. James, thank you so much for another wine cast. And as always, people download these things way more do because I think they like need, the education more. They May like the work. comedy. Yeah, yeah, we need way more questions for next. Well, we had like four questions this time. Well, we just well we'll have a we question, but then we go off and yeah, people don't know tangent. what Jigandos is. <laughs> they don't know what Sheenon is. It's a region. Yeah. I don't know what Sheenon is. What is that? Lore Valley Cab Franc. Oh yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, that's what we learned. That's why we're learning. Well, so we're here. So uh, <laughs> thank everyone that's been listening. This is maybe our third wine cast now. Second. Uh, second? It's only the second. I did one wine cast by myself, and yep. then I did one with you, and this would be the second. This okay. is technically wine cast three. Yes, but, but second wine, with you. Wine cast two with uh, myself. I can't I can't imagine doing one without you anymore, though. So you know, I got like, to get a couple more people on here, too. Like, I... Well, we have Mike. Well, I got, like I, I yeah, said, we, got we got a third mic. I got, I got been, one other friend. I probably I've been investing. I, in I've been thinking about Clay or Allie or. What does that mean? You're gonna make a Clay Allie? No. So Clay, Clay is the sommelier at uh, Argyle. Oh yeah, Argyle in Oregon. I don't know Argyle, San Antonio. Oh, the club. They about Argyle nah, like that. Nah. Make Pinot Noir and sparkle. Nah, he's he's uh. I like to sit and talk to him about wine. Yeah. I like to get maybe Wine Bob on here. Or, uh, oh, dude. If we get Wine Bob on here, that'd be <laughs> next level. But no one would know what we're talking about. No. We, we Like, him and I start talking, and, like, any friends that are around me are like, I'm going to go hang out over here. Like, you guys do whatever you're going to do. Yeah. And we'll, like, geek out for, like, 20 minutes. Like, lit- no, no joke. We were at a – it was called San Antonio Regional Wine Guild. And it, if you have free time on I Sundays, know exactly what that is. High you should come out. No, no, no. We we do it. Uh, the next one's going to be at Club Human on Hebner. Oh, yeah. On the Good 21st. Leather, leather couches in the back. Yep. Crystal scotch. Hell uh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Everyone brings a bottle of wine, and it's a potluck. So you bring a food mm-hmm. item, whatever the fuck you want, and you show up. And it, it's, it's a club that you can join. You can come check it out for free. But basically, you jump in and... There's no less than 30, 40 bottles of wine. And you can literally try whatever the fuck you want from there. Oh, that would make my vavina so I get, hot. I get, I get so lit, it's not even funny. Um, but basically, yeah, you, you're you're there. You're trying a bunch of wines. You can talk to winemakers. You're talking to people who are appreciators of wine, who've drank wine for 20-plus years. Mm-hmm. And then um, so I'm, I'm geeking out basically with Wine Bob at the last one. And like people that are there that are like wine aficionados that are like interested in wine, they're looking at us and we're talking and we're like going off on a tangent or whatever. We're going in a direction. That's how everyone basically that listened to this podcast is going to feel. At the yeah. End and basically they're standing there and like, I'm going to go the other way. Well, I hope that we taught some people today. Yeah. I, well, we've taught some people a couple things. So, well, the last episodes. Yeah. The last episode, a lot of people learned. Yeah. So I think we uh, we taught you how to get a cork out of a bottle without something, uh, yep. how to pick your favorite wine, uh, why single moms are dope, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Any last words, brother? 
Where do they want to find you on, at uh, Chateau Wright? Uh, we're we're at a we're at Blue Star Provisions. We're at uh, Joe Saglin Benny's JS Fine Wines. We are in a couple different restaurants. In uh, www. Yeah, www. Heard that? Order your order your wine online. We'll send it to you wherever you want to go. In state, out of state. Uh, I mean, there's a couple states we don't go to, but like Alaska. Uh, you, we might have Alaska. I don't know. We, yeah. we go through a wine shipper in Fredericksburg. Nice. It's just whatever they're good with. Well, hell yeah, man! Thank you for coming over. As always, a great time. We hell drink yeah. so much Rhone Valley. We barely talked about Rhone Valley, Did but I think got, that we got it. I think we, we got, got it down. We got down. Um, holy shit! We're okay, about so we're. We got a quarter bottle of the Chateau Neuf du Pop. Okay. We've got less than half a bottle of the Ventu, and we've got a little more than half a bottle of the Syrah. You know what? The Syrah really did open up and become it, it, it what it needed was. it. Because at first it was funky. It was, it was nasty. flat. There was nothing going on with it. It's much better. Great wine. Wine is so fucking crazy. And make sure you hit either of us up on our Instagrams, as always, at She Tastes Like Texas and at I am James R. Smith. And ask us wine questions for the next episode, what you want to talk about next episode. And besides that, dude, shout out to Ellen Generous and George Bush. Just fucking shaking hands and kissing babies, dude. We're going to sip a couple more glasses. We got a friend of ours. Y'all know Miss Amanda Yanez, and we're going to go over there, and we're going to eat some Taco Tuesday. Have a great time, dude. God bless one love. Tell your friends about us. Follow, subscribe, rate. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play, Stitcher, podcast app. Everywhere you get podcasts, Dom C and Domcast is worldwide. Thank you again, James, for coming through. You always put up numbers for us because people love to learn and they don't like to sound stupid about wine. And we sound least pretentious while still being funny. And I think that's a sweet spot to be in. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's always a pleasure to be here. And this guy's got two phones like he's fucking two chains. This whole (laughs) damn podcast, this guy's been doing two phones. But guess what? I put spec on that because this guy's a businessman and he's going to make it. All right. One love. We'll talk to you later. Fuck. I guess there's no more Columbus Day. It's just Indigenous People Day. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.